Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. This is Terry, and we are broadcasting live from the International Sportsman's Exposition today. Might get a little noisy at times, but we'll work through that. But it's going to be so much fun down here today. Uh, you know, we're down here. If you've been to the show before, it's fishing, hunting. It's a lot of stuff to buy. There's guide services. We're going to give away some tickets to get in during the course of the show today. Karen will get those down, and we'll call for you. And we're going to tell you during the course several times today how tomorrow we're giving away somewhere around 70 kids fishing rods. We're going to be able to give 70 kids fishing rods, and we've got some tackle boxes. And that's going to happen tomorrow. So you want to pay attention. If you're planning on coming tomorrow, we're calling it Family Day. You want to bring your kids and get them some free fishing gear. It's going to be a blast. Right now, let's just go to our first guest. Joining us from the Blue Quill Angler, who happens to be at the show, is Chris Steinbeck. Good morning, Chris. Hey, good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing great. It's been a good show so far. It has been. It's been a lot of fun. There's been some great presentations, good turnouts of the crowds, awesome booths. It's been a lot of fun. Yep. So I um, I want to get to the show and talk about what you're doing here and and kind of talk. But let's first, there's some people I want to sneak out today. It's going to be really nice weather the next couple days. So let's talk a little bit about what's going on on the river. What are you seeing out there? You bet. You bet. You know, this weekend, you know, warm stretches that we see, that's when you're going to go out and go hit the rivers that you want to go hit. Um, the rivers we've been fishing, the ones that are, you know, really reliable winter fisheries are the South Platte River down at Decker's and the Arkansas River below the uh, Pueblo. And uh, we have, you know, fishing right now is actually pretty good. You know, we're in winter conditions. It is definitely throwing a lot of small flies, small hooks, little size 20s and 22s and 24s. Um, but the fishing's been pretty good. You know, as an angler, we're targeting a lot of deeper runs, deep, slow runs, and um, throwing a lot of little midges and red midges and white midges are really good this time of year. Um, yeah, and so it's, you know, we're kind of in that winter time when the best time of the day is 9, 10 in the morning from you know, or until about 2, 3 in the afternoon, the warmest part of the day. So it's a great time of year to get out there and keep uh, keep the skills going. Now, I, I agree with you about the small midges, and typically you're fishing subsurface. You don't get too much dry fly action, although you can get some hatches and it can happen. But occasionally during this time of the year, um, especially when we get one of these 50-degree days, I'll throw some streamers sometimes, see if I can move a big brown or something. You occasionally do that, or you pretty much stick with the midges? That's a great call. Most of the time in the wintertime, we stick to throwing midges. But in these warmer stretches, when that water temperature jumps up a couple degrees, those fish become more active. And so those are the days when you get those nice, you know, week-long of 40, 50-degree sunny days. That's the time when they're going to be hot on the streamers and throwing little leeches or little woolly buggers. Um, you know, you still want to target those same areas, target the deep runs, the slow runs, not a lot of heavy currents moving through. Um, but you're a million percent right. Sometimes thinking outside the box is a great way to go. When everybody else is throwing midges and you're the one of the few guys throwing streamers, you can have a ton of fun. 
Well, you know, that's something we do conventional fishing a lot. When we're finesse fishing, like with a soft plastic or a small jig or or a drop shot or something, and those are fine if we know the fish are concentrated in one area or if we, or if we know that they're really just not active at all. But a lot of times we'll go in those same conditions to like a crankbait or something, something that covers water that we can move faster. And even though the fish are still a little lethargic, they just react to it. They don't have time. They're not really feeding. They're just all of a sudden reacting. And I think that's why we get those streamers to work in the winter sometime. And uh, it, you can surprise yourself with the quality of fish you can get by doing that. You know, another place that'll work is uh, open water edges on ice. A lot of the lakes don't freeze all the way, and there's some open water. And you could, you could use a fly rod or a conventional rod, cast almost out to that ice edge, and then let a presentation just drop, and then work it back to shore. Have you ever done anything like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We do that a ton up at Spitty and Antero, especially when the ice starts kind of peeling off in April. Uh, but you're a million percent right. Find those edges of the ice and, you know, cast a little bugger, a little streamer, and let it fall and twitch it in. Now, are you still doing winter classes at the Blue Quill, or are those done for the year? We're still doing them. We're going to be doing them all the way through February. You know, it's, um, it's a great deal. We, um, we really focus on teaching people how to become really effective in the wintertime. You know, and one of the things that we cover, just like you said, you know, when you're searching water, you're covering water. Same thing. If we're throwing streamers in the wintertime, we're covering water. You don't want to sit in one run the whole day cover a lot of deeper runs you see and we cover those in the winter clinics we cover how to fish your midges and and the times you do get a midge hatch where you can throw dry flies um so we cover all that we'll be doing dates all the way through february um the instructor of that class is the world famous pat dorsey so people get to learn from one of the best guides in the country and um yeah it's just such a fantastic fun time you know winter fishing i think uh, you're doing a lot of nymph fishing, <clears throat> and, you know, depth when you're fishing nymphs under an indicator or a, or a dry fly in a dropper, depth for that trailing fly can be critical, especially in winter because you don't have a lot of flow, <clears throat> so it's going to almost stay at the depth you set it at. Excuse me, <clears throat> getting losing my voice. So do people, when they're getting used to winter fishing, sometimes, sometimes struggle with that depth setting of the depth? It, it, absolutely. You know, and a good rule of thumb in the wintertime for us is if our flies are picking up a little moss or a little scum from the rocks on the bottom of the river, that's a good thing. You know, it's telling us our flies are getting down to the bottom. Um, one of the things that we try to focus on in the wintertime is we try to find fish that are suspended. Maybe not mid in the column, but, you know, a foot or two off of the bottom. Those are generally your more active fish. And so a lot of times we can see if we see a fish that's suspended about, you know, a foot, two feet off the bottom, I can position that fly about two feet away from that weight that we have on our nymph rig where that weight's going straight to the bottom and bouncing on the rocks. And our nymph is sitting about that foot off the bottom to match that fish level. Um, and it is. That's probably the biggest adjustment we make all day in the wintertime and the summertime is not so much changing our flies, but it's changing how much weight we're using because every run, as you know, is different. Oh, exactly. Now, talking about flies, uh, a lot of times in the summer, I'm, I'm going to admit this on the air. I hope I don't get too much static about it. But a lot of times I don't try real hard to just match the hatch. What I try to do is just find a size and color 
or a similar profile, but especially nymphing. When I'm dry flying, it's a little different. But when I'm nymphing, a lot of times if I can get a like a hare's ear or a, a pheasant tail or something like that in about the right size and color, that's all I care, and it seems to work. But do you have some go-to flies that you use a lot of the time or you constantly change? Of course, using a lot of midges in the winter. Exactly, exactly. So generally, you know, you're a million percent right. You don't need to have, there's not one magic fly that's going to catch all the fish. It's about trying to represent what the fish are seeing in the water. So if you're close on color and you're close close on the size profile of the fly, you're in the game. Um, This time of year, the natural bugs that the fish are eating are really, really small. Those midges are tiny aquatic insects. And so some of our favorite flies right now are Pat Dorsey's top secret midge in the size 22 and 24, um, a blood midge, which is just a red midge in the size 22, um, and another really, really hot fly is a simple called a black beauty. It's one of the more simple patterns out there. Um, but that's the name of the game this time of year. Go small, go simple on your flies. Um, and uh, as we start getting in the warmer months, we start getting March, things start changing a little bit. But for the next couple months, think midges, and you get those nice days, throw that streamer around. All right, let's talk a little bit about the show. You guys have a booth down here at ISD. Pat Dorsey is down here. Carrie Kerrigan's down here. You've got a bunch of people down here. Tell us what Blue Quill Angler has down at the ISC show. Yeah, so we brought a lot of our shop down to the show this year. We have all of our shop staffs there. Pat's there. Carrie's there, as you mentioned. Um, we are here to help people get into fly fishing. So we have a lot of information on our classes that we run all year long, um, information on how to get going in fly fishing. We have um, great little packages with the rod, reel, line, everything put together in the booth. Uh, we have a ton of flies that we're selling at the booth right now, too. And we have them on a huge discount, great deals. And we have a lot of those flies that are really effective right now and throughout the summer as well. Um, yeah, so we're, we're out, we're meeting people. We're seeing a lot of the clients that we see all year on the river. Um, and we're just having a ton of fun and really enjoying the ISE this year. And Pat and Carrie are both doing presentations. I'm Karen and I are at the, for I didn't mention it earlier, but Karen and I is, we're, we're hosting the fishing theater, um, where all the fishing presentations go on and both Pat and, and Carrie are doing presentations here. I know Pat does a lot of talk about um, the South Platte River, and he talks a lot about tail waters. Carrie talks a lot about, you know, getting anglers into fly fishing. He's a great one. He, an advanced fisherman can pick up a lot from his talks, but a beginning fly fisherman can get past some of that hesitation, some of that worriedness about getting started because he has just that way of making you understand and be calm about it and relate that well how easy it is to get started doesn't he oh my god we love carrie to death you're a million percent right seeing carrie watching carrie teach people i mean it's just it's fun to see and he is a special special person when it comes to that carrie teaches all of our classes all summer and he's one of the best instructors around He's there at the ISC, like you mentioned. He's teaching kids. He's teaching people how to cast a fly rod. And I think you just phrased it best, uh, Terry, and the fact that, like, Carrie takes that intimidation and scaredness away. You realize it's, it's just fun. We're just throwing a nine-foot stick is all we're doing, and Carrie is so great at explaining that. Yeah, he, he really is. Um, he just has a way about him. 
And, you know, between Pat and Kerry, they're two of the most recognized fly anglers um, uh, in the country. I mean, Orvis has tons of recognition on both of them. Both are actually very famous, very, very accomplished. And they're both the easiest guys to talk to. There's just no ego involved. Uh, it's so special, you know. And anybody who has a chance to listen to Pat talk and talk about the South Platte River, try to go there because it is like it's an encyclopedia of information that he's learned from 30-plus years of guiding 200 days here in Colorado. And, I mean, it's just if you want to learn about how to catch fish on the South Platte, go see Pat talk. Um, you won't regret it at all. Well, and then also he's got his books at your booth here, and they're uh, they're signed. So you can get signed copies, including his his newest book, uh, Flies of Colorado. And here's I see Kerry walking down the aisle right now, looking around. So uh, <laughs> he's talking to somebody. So they're all here, ready to go. The show opens at ten o'clock, and we just want to make sure we get everybody in here. I'm going to give away some tickets. Um, and we're going to have a good time with it today. So if people can't make it to the show, though, Chris, tell them where Blue Quill is located. You bet. If you can't make it, come meet us this weekend. Give us a call at the shop. We're right up in Evergreen. Um, we, uh, you could call us at 303-674-4700 or reach out to us on our website or social media. Um, yeah, we're like I said, we're here to help people get into fly fishing. And you know, if you have any questions on what flies to throw, you're going to a river, call us. We're here to help. Um, hey, Carrie, Carrie, I'm talking to Chris about you on the radio right now, and I'll tell you what he said about you later. But you, you can catch <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, he's laughing, but he doesn't. He doesn't know we said nice things. We'll we'll tell him we were ripping him a little bit. Just make him think I love about it. it. I love it. All right, right, Chris, I'm going to let you go. Are you going to be down at the show today? You bet. We'll be down there. And, um, yeah, come by our booth. Come say hi. Come watch Pat Tie Flies or just come talk. All right, my friend. We'll see you later today. Thanks, Chris. Hey, thank you, Terry. All right. Now, we're going to give away some tickets to the International Sportsman's Exposition during this show. So you need to pay attention to what we talk about during these segments because usually a question will come out of that. Also, tomorrow, we're giving away close to 70 rods for youth. You're going to have to come down here. We're going to do some tomorrow's family day. We're going to be doing a lot of instructional classes, a lot of getting started. There will be plenty for the advanced angler also, but we're going to try to get a whole bunch of kids started fishing. So if you're bringing your kids down, really plan on coming tomorrow and see if we can't get them a free fishing rod. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll join Parks and Wildlife and talk about some money they're spreading around to help a lot of people enjoy the outdoors on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. We are broadcasting live from the International Sportsman's Exposition at the uh, Denver Convention Center. And I tell you what, I'm going to give away a couple free tickets to the show. And I'm going to throw a trivia question out there, but you're going to have to text. Text 303-713-1043. That's 303-713-1043. First person to text, we were talking to the Blue Quill Angler in the last segment, and they mentioned two of their guides who are very famous, renowned guides 
who are giving presentations down here. You text the name of either one of those guides, the first one, and Karen will put two tickets and we'll call for you. Now, it might take a little bit to get them down there, so text back when you're going to get here to make sure if you win, the tickets are there. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Andrea Cruz. Good morning, Andrea. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. I think I butchered your last name. It's Cruz, right? Kurth, Andrea Kurth. Kurth, okay. I got a dyslexia, I guess. I have the, the letters wrong on my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. I try to respect okay. people's names. That's all right. Anyway, we're talking about a program. Uh, it's a grant program that was really created to try to get underserved people into the outdoors, and that includes maybe minority groups or status groups that haven't had as much access, but it also includes challenged and handicapped groups and youth, doesn't it? Yeah, so the Outdoor Equity Grant Program is a brand new program at Colorado Parks and Wildlife. It's still in its first year, and it was created to get youth and families from different communities out in the outdoors, in state parks, doing recreation, uh, doing conservation activities, and even being trained for outdoor jobs and careers. And, you know, I'm a huge believer in the outdoors. I'm evangelistic about getting people outdoors. I think it brings a value system, and it brings uh, some something to your life that very few other types of activities actually do. In fact, there's actually a doctor, and I don't have the full details, that's writing prescriptions to people right now to get outdoors for a couple hours a week. It changes your health and your well-being and your outlook yeah. on life. Yeah. The outdoors just really changes your life. It's so true. It's so good for mental health, physical health, and for youth, which this program is really targeted for, um, studies have found that going outside improves educational outcomes. It helps kids get better grades. It helps them stay more focused. It helps with behavior. So it has so many benefits, and that's really why this program was created, to make sure that all youth in Colorado despite their income or despite their background or their ability or disability are able to go out and enjoy the outdoors just like everybody else because that's something that our state is so famous for and people come from all over the world to experience Colorado's outdoors and the kids that live here deserve to do that as well. We have a saying on this show, it's get them a tackle box, not an Xbox. So we get them out. We get them outdoors. Um, so where does the money come from for the show, and how much money are you giving away? Kind of describe the amount of money and where it's going. Sure. So the money is coming from the Colorado Lottery, and each year, if the lottery hits its goal, then money will start coming into the Outdoor Equity Grant Fund, and organizations can apply for up to $150,000 to take kids outdoors and 
all different types of organizations are applying, everything from nonprofits who kind of do youth programming already to schools to local governments and even small businesses that might do outdoor programming can apply for the money and then they can use it to provide programs for youth and that varies everything from doing pure recreation and mountain sports like skiing and rafting to providing after-school programs to doing summer camps and so many other types of things. Now, how much money has been given out? And give me a few examples of the organizations that have gotten it. Yeah, so, so far the Outdoor Equity Grant Program has awarded over $3 million in grants in 2022. So that's really exciting. And like I said, since this is a brand new program, that's new funding that's coming online to support outdoor programming that just wasn't there before. So um, we're really excited to be able to give it out, but we're finding that there's so much excitement and need across the state for this kind of funding. So we've gotten many, many, many applications, over 300 applications um, for grants. And so far there are over 60 grantees and they're all over the state. And I can just mention a few of them. So um, a brand new grantee that was just granted an award this Winter is Adaptive Sports Association. They're based out of the southwest part of Colorado in Durango, and they do adaptive sports programming, so programming um, that is created for people with different disabilities to be able to go skiing, snowboarding, rafting, um, and doing all kinds of kind of extreme mountain sports outdoors. I was just to say just a number of groups, maybe mention a couple more and then we'll kind of get to where they can get information. Sure. So another group is environmental learning for kids and they've been around for almost 30 years in Denver. Um, they do a really great job of engaging the Montbello neighborhood um, youth in different kinds of outdoor activities. And they also provide job opportunities and job training for young people to go out and be park rangers for the first time, junior park rangers. Um, and they are buying a van to be able to support some of their programming and take their kids in the outdoors. And then one more that I'll call out is uh, Gypsum Elementary School, they applied to buy some snowshoes and some fishing gear to supplement their PE program. So now the kids at Gypsum Elementary School will be going outside as part of their PE program. So that's really exciting, too. It all sounds just terrific. Now, if there's somebody out there listening who is part of an organization, a nonprofit, a government, a school, they're looking to tap into this money, where do they find information? So they can find information on the Colorado Parks and Wildlife website and click on About Us and apply for a grant, and you'll see the Outdoor Equity Grant Program listed there. And 
We will open the next application for grants at the end of the summer in August, and we'll be doing a lot of um, promotion of the program right before that happens, so folks will like to hear about us again in the late summer, and hopefully folks will apply. All right, Andrea, great program, uh, great use. I love to see, but getting different opportunities for youth to get outdoors, just a tremendous opportunity. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. All right. That's Andrea Cross, and she's talking about the um, the Outdoors Equity Grant Program. If you have an or you're with an organization or a group, uh, pay attention to that. Get some of these funds. Help get youth outdoors. And it's if they if they're from a marginalized community or if they're they're challenged with physically, we can overcome all those things. Get them outdoors and make their life better. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we'll have more. Broadcasting live from the International Sportsman's Exposition on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We are broadcasting live down at the International Sportsman's Exposition at uh, the Denver Convention Center. Now, we're in a different hall this year. We're kind of in the back of the convention center towards the... So the entrance to get in is actually on Welton. I think you can get in in the front, then you walk through the whole convention center. But there's signage everywhere to help you. And once you get here, there's plenty to do. We've got booths. We've got two, three theaters going on. We've got seminars going on at the fishing theater where Karen and I are hosting the seminars. We've got seminars going on at the adventure theater with hunting. And we've got the campfire theater. We've got a lot of demos in the casting pond with the fly anglers and conventional and competition. So a lot to do. And tomorrow, if you come down tomorrow, uh, we're going to do around 1230. We're going to give away uh, about 70 fishing rods to youth. Now, the youth will have to be with a parent, but if you have more than one kid, that's okay. And while they last, we're going to give away 70 free fishing rods tomorrow. Let's go to the phones. Joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Travis Duncan. Good morning, Travis. Hey, morning, Terry. How are you doing this fine morning? Hey, I'm good. It's good to be uh, at the Sportsman's Expo with you and get, get to say hi to you yesterday at, at the Expo as well. Yeah, we had a lot of people. It's a lot of fun. Parks and Wildlife has a big presence here, don't they? Yeah, we've got we've got a lot of booths uh, going on, an info booth, a boating safety booth. Folks can come by and talk with our officers if they have questions. We have uh, hunter education folks here, so if you're wanting to to get involved in and getting your um, hunter certification course, you can talk to them about about how to do that. So, yeah, lots of fun activities and, and lots of good info and giveaways going on here at the Expo today. There really is. Unfortunately, you and I are going to talk about something that's going on that uh, isn't so wonderful, and that's the highly pathogenic avian influenza, HPAI, or as most people know it, bird flu. Now, people have heard about bird flu because it's affecting poultry and egg shortages and chicken, but it's also in wild animals, right? Yeah, that's right. So so highly pathogenic Indian influenza can affect both domestic poultry and and wild birds. I guess in a, in a lot of the outbreaks they've had in the past, um, it, it has kind of confined itself to mostly domestic birds, uh, poultry, but um, and, and this latest strain, it, it has shown that it uh, is transmitting to, to wild birds as well, and so um, Parson Wildlife is letting folks know about that, and uh, 
what what we found and what we're hearing is that per- certain species of birds are, have been particularly susceptible. So uh, snow geese and um, vultures and raptors are, seem to be particularly susceptible. And so um, just, just letting folks know about that and, and to let folks know if, you know, if you are seeing sick or dead birds, if folks find three or more dead wild birds in a specific area within a two-week period, or if you're seeing live birds that are showing clinical signs of disease, like like birds swimming in circles or disoriented or just not behaving normally, um, please contact your local Colorado Parks and Wildlife office so so we're we're able to respond and we can we can track you know what what we're seeing on the landscape and where where we're seeing die-offs. Now, a great number of these birds were the snow geese, which are so prolific. You told me some numbers, uh, upwards around 12,000 snow geese have been affected. Is that right? Yeah, that's where the the numbers we have from the, the Colorado Department of Agriculture um, that, that we have right now is, uh, as of two weeks two weeks ago, uh, it was about 12,000 birds affected we're, that, it, that it died in Colorado so far. But we're still getting an idea of those population levels and how they're being affected. So uh, if folks do see, um, yeah, the dead birds, please call your, your Parks and Wildlife office and, and let us know so we can document that. Any special precautions that goose hunters should be taking right now? Well, well, definitely don't don't target animals that 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 appear sick or birds that appear sick. And there are some just hunter precautions. Um, and folks who who don't can't catch it all on the radio can go to our website. But things like do not handle or eat wildlife found sick or dead. Uh, do not eat, drink, or put anything in your mouth while cleaning or handling game. Wear rubber or latex gloves when handling and cleaning game. Wash hands thoroughly and disinfect knives, equipment, and surfaces that come into contact with game. Keep wild bird carcasses away from domestic poultry and to cook all game thoroughly to an internal temperature of 165 degrees Fahrenheit are all are all some tips we give. Now, people with bird feeders, now we're, we're talking about game birds right now and predator, uh, prey birds, uh, raptors, and vultures, but I, I would assume that a number of wild birds could be susceptible. Will they spread it at things like bird feeders? Is there, should people be maybe a little reluctant to put those out right now? Well, I think the main message we're, we're sharing with folks about, about bird feeders is, um, is just the risk of um, in, infection from domestic poultry to wild, wild birds. And so um, there is advice, I think, on Colorado Department of Agriculture's website on biosecurity practices. If you do keep chickens or domestic poultry, um, just just to how to make sure you're keeping um, domestic domestic birds and wild birds separate to avoid transmitting the flu. So, so I, if you do keep things like chickens, it's a good idea not to have anything like bird feeders that's going to bring them into contact with with wild birds. And you said there is quite a bit of information on the website, Travis. Yes, there is. Uh, we have a whole updated avian influenza section of CPW's website. I would encourage folks to go to. Also, a handout on there, uh, you know, where you, if you want to look at a little bit more into this strain, the history of what of you know its movement through Colorado and, and other migration corridors. This is this is being seen in all the migration corridors right now uh, in the U.S. and North America. So uh, it's not just confined to Colorado, but we are working with lots of other agencies to get a handle on on just what's happening with this disease and how to how to monitor and, and help prevent it. All right. One last question. We have just one or two minutes left, and that is uh, you, you've been kind enough to be coming on the show on a regular basis, updating us on the status and progress of the wolf introduction program. Just give us a current status, and are people able to make in, give input right now? 
Definitely. So it's January 14th right now. The draft uh, wolf restoration and management plan is out and available for the public to read and comment on. So you go to CBW's website, uh, our wolf section. It's it's all over our wolf pages. You can read that plan uh, and then make a comment on it. Engage CBW.org. Go to that site and make a comment on the wolf plan. It will be submitted and seen by our commission and considered. And then also there are five public meetings uh, going on around the state through February 22nd. So February 22nd is your is your last day to get that comment in to be considered by the commission for the plan. Uh, next week, uh, coming up at the commission meeting in Colorado Springs, uh, the commission meeting is the 17th and 18th, and then the 19th is going to be a full day dedicated to discussing the wolf plan, the first of those five public meetings. So if folks are interested in attending that meeting in person or, or viewing that meeting online, go to our website, check out um, that, that January uh, 19th meeting in Colorado Springs next week. All right. Sounds great. Uh, Travis, thanks for joining us. I'll see you down here at the IEC show. That sounds great, Terry. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right. That's Travis Duncan from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. We're down here broadcasting live from the International Sportsman's Exposition. All right. Well, I told them not to let you in until you did your segment. So. Well, they listened because they won't let me in. So uh, <laughs> I guess we're doing just fine. But uh, pretty excited about today, Terry. It's uh, obviously busy. There's a, a line out the door and around the block right now getting, waiting for people to open the door. It'll take them about a few minutes to get everybody piled in there. But uh, it's going to be a really busy day here at the show from the standpoint of presentations. Tons and tons of presentations today. And uh, I'm going to get the ball rolling at the fishing theater with uh, my presentation on breaking down to water. And uh, and doing so in a hurry, it was well-received yesterday, so I'm looking forward to that one. And uh, that'll be on the Fishing Theater. And then shortly after that, I'll be in the Fishing Theater to be able to That's not a formal presentation. That's more just people come by. Let's talk about how we go about our trips and how we, you know, how we go about it. I get lots of questions about that of, you know, where do the ideas come from? More specifically, how do I pack? How do I decide what to bring when I'm going places that maybe have never been? In. Maybe airlines even are involved in how we deal with that, and uh, and so that'll be fun. And but at that point, at the experts corner, I always just tell people if you have questions, bring them by. We'd love to answer them. I'll have a box of some of the new playing with the last little bit people may have seen that are just now hitting the market. And then at uh, 2:30, I believe it is the casting combo casting contest, which is a contest that I really love to do. Uh, because, as you know, Terry, I'm a big believer in casting accuracy and line control is the most important aspect of preventing an art or presenting an artificial bait. And I, from 20 years of guiding, can say that a lot of people have some weakness there. So this contest is a great way to come learn what the potential really is. And my partner is Jeff Wagner, who is one of the best fly casters in the entire country. He's been a guest on Fishful Tanker Television. Uh, a couple different times and so i'll be running conventional tackle and he'll run fly tackle and then we'll swap for the bonus round where i have to run the fly tackle and he has to run the conventional tackle so it should be a lot of fun and uh that'll be at about 2 30 and then after that i'll be milling around for a while to visit with uh with everybody here and uh it should be should be a great time and also real quick dan swanson is with me who is a official thinker guy frequent guest on official linker television and one of the leading experts on sonar gps in the entire country and he'll be doing presentations today as well and so it should be really fun oh it's going to be a really good time chad i got a couple minutes here yet before we let you go um you were at the show yesterday anything catch your eye that you're excited about that people just need to watch for 
you know, there seems to be really solid education this year. And for me, that's the important part. So it's, it's you know, people say, oh, well, they sell a lot of trips. They're all over the world. Well, that's true. But if you just came down here and went from seminar to seminar all day, you could get, uh, and they're all free, of course, once you're in the building, uh, you could get knowledge on everything from fishing to big game hunting to coyote hunting to dog training to camping information and all of that. So for me, it's all about the knowledge here more than anything else. And I'm actually going to attend a couple of presentations today myself as a big game hunter. Uh, we can always stand to learn. And so I'm looking forward to doing that. And I have also seen some really good show deals. If people are looking, I've, I've been surprised. A lot of the Alaskan particularly people I've talked to are already booked out for the season. They're here already, but they're already booked. So if you're even thinking about going uh, you know, on a, on a big trip, Alaska, Canada, something like that, you, you probably need to be planning farther in advance than you can, and everybody's in the building. So you'll have an opportunity to talk to, you know, a half dozen guys at once. And as a guy that runs outfitting business myself, you want to talk to these people ahead of time. You don't want to just book a trip and, and go somewhere in the middle of nowhere. So for me, it, hey, come down, talk to the guys, figure out who you click with and what their lodge really feels and looks like, ask lots of questions and go from there. And with no lodge in particular, not plugging people can ask us when they come here and we'll point them in the direction of people we've worked with but you've been to alaska a couple times now you've been out of bear hunt you've been a couple times i think fishing uh is it worth going to alaska people are thinking about the trip how did you feel about going there well let's just put it this way um i hate cold weather i hate crappy weather um it's my favorite place to fish just about it's amazing and i don't have to tell you i know you've been there a ton but i've been there four times now and um when it came time to take one of my closest friends tim farnsworth who's been my camera guy for 15 years uh for his 50th birthday i'm like dude you got to go to alaska and he doesn't even like airplanes he's not an airplane guy how are you he even knew it was worth it, and uh, and so I took him to Alaska. So it is worth it. Even if you go once in your life, uh, the fishing will blow your mind, and the hunting we don't even need to talk about. I went to Kodiak Island. Kodiak Fair thing was incredible. But I've also done coastal salmon and halibut and uh, and also done inland for sheep fish and pike and giant grayling and, of course, salmon up in there, up to king salmon. So, yeah, Alaska will blow your mind. It's an incredible place, and uh, I'll go every chance I get. Well, there's a reason I did 15 television shows in Alaska. One was well, a couple of years ago. I'll catch you. I've done eight now. <laughs> yeah. uh, one one of the one of the reasons is because I wanted to bring good programming. But another one because I just like going there. And there's a lot of ways to do it. You come down here. You know, you can fly into Anchorage and drive to a destination. You can fly into Anchorage or Ketchikan or Juneau and then take a, a float plane or a different water play based plane out to remote areas or. There's just a number of ways to put the trip together. I've spent many hours in many types of aircraft up there, and it's just, just it's an incredible place in the world, Chad. Yes, sir. And you mentioned the aircraft. I have an aerospace engineering degree, and uh, and I can tell you that those old school planes are my favorite to fly around in. Uh, landing on the water is something, if you've never done that, is just incredible. I love doing it. And, uh, you know, I flew to Ketchikan one time, which is close. You're just not that far from even, you know, say Seattle. It's a short hop to Ketchikan and then out to Prince of Wales Island before, and uh, it's not that far away. And then I've also taken the other extreme, fly to Anchorage, and then do, you know, 350 miles over the Alaska range in a bush plane, you know, flying literally right past Mount McKinley. And uh, that's just a, an incredible 
I mean, an incredible experience, right? That alone, landing on a, on a grass strip in between the trees, uh, and then realizing when that plane flies away that you're not going to see anybody else that isn't in your group for a week until that plane comes back. And uh, that's a pretty neat deal. Yeah. All right. We got just a minute or two left. Tell people again, let's get back to fishing here in Colorado. Tell people what you're covering in your seminars and your appearances today. Well, I'm doing the Breaking Down New Water, and it is very much Colorado-specific, but also relevant to almost anybody. So it's all about how we quickly break down a place we haven't been ever or haven't been in a long time. In other words, how we go about locating where we're going to fish, uh, and it's multi-species-oriented. So I'll talk everything from bass and walleye to wipers and, and trout. And then uh, that's at the Breaking Down New Water. And then the Experts Corner will do, I mean, the basis of it is all about how we plan or how you should plan a major fishing trip in terms of what research to do, what to consider when packing, blah, blah, blah. And that should be a really fun trip, a really fun deal there. But I encourage people to bring their own questions if they have them, even if they're not relevant to that topic, because I'll be sitting there for an hour and uh, and I would love to answer your questions. And then after that's the combo casting contest I'm doing with Jeff Wagner and a bunch of local people in that one, and that should be a lot of fun. And then you get an idea to see what it's, I don't want to say trick casting, but we're casting under stuff and through stuff and around stuff. And uh, it's not just, you know, trying to hit a cup out there. It's throwing around stuff in real, very real world situations. So it's lots of education here and lots of stuff to see. And the kids I saw yesterday were having the ball, and they get in free if they're under 15. Well, my friend, uh, the, I love the Experts Corner when they can get one-on-one in addition. What time are you at the Experts Corner? I want to say I'm there at 1230, Terry, but if you go to sportsexpos.com, you can double-check that. But I, 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 I'm on the state, the Fishing Theater at 1030, the Experts Corner at 1230, and the casting corner. All right, my friend, I'll go tell them to let you in now if they to promise to behave. <laughs> I'm not making that promise. Come on now. Oh, well, you can you can just say it. You don't have to do it. <laughs> well, you can stick Derek Wolf on me. He'll keep me in line. Yeah, he certainly will. We spent a good time with him yesterday, didn't we? Yes, sir. Uh, great outdoorsman guy. And I'll be honest with you, I wasn't uh, super knowledgeable about what he did or does. I mean, I knew he was a Bronco guy, but that's about it. But uh, turns out that guy is a hardcore hunter and fisherman and a uh, great dude all the way around, other than making me feel like a puny little human from the size comparison. But uh, great, great guy. We had a good time visiting. Chad, the national anthem is starting. I'm going to let you go. All right. Take care, Terry. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a timeout. We'll come back with Nate Zelinski.